0: The funeral is about to begin, sir. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> boy, you play a good game, boy, but the game is finished. Now you die.
1: play a good game, boy. Come east if
0: you dare. Graveside service is about to begin. You want her? Come tonight. I've got them both. They have no need of your service. You think that when you die, you go to heaven? You come to us.
2: Uh, uh, Hello,
1: again. uh,
0: And goodbye.
1: uh, uh, It's only a dream. No, it's not.
3: Everybody. welcome to another exciting episode of the Everyday is Halloween podcast. I'm your host, Horror Guy Keenan, here to throw you and chill you to the bone. It's 2016, and I got a lot to talk about. First of all, I want to give my heartfelt saddened. Just, uh, it really sucks to hear that uh, our cult classic has has left us. Uh, Angus Scrim, star of the Phantasm series, or best known for the Phantasm series, has passed away uh, last night at the age of 89 years old uh angus was very uh, very very humble guy very sweet uh we had a chance to or i had a chance to talk with him and my co-host david harley over at bloody disgusting back in the day had a chance to interview him and sit down and talk with him and he couldn't have been the nicest uh probably one of the nicest guests we've ever interviewed uh he sat down talked with us with his co-host uh from the movie and just told us a lot a little bit about that stuff and i was able to go back and dig up that interview from the bloody disgusting radio show and i'll play that for you guys um but yeah you know very very heartfelt uh don coscarelli the director of phantasm uh has been online all day talking to fans and stuff and sharing uh really good memories about angus's life and uh, i guess he was with him him and uh, a lot of his family uh when he passed so it's very sad uh, to hear that go out uh find a copy if you can of the original phantasm film I know it's out there somewhere. It's a little hard to find, especially on Blu-ray. I know Phantasm 2 got a release from Screen Factory, so you can check that out pretty easily. Um, but I know there's some copies floating around out there. Uh, and for a really good deal, I don't know if you guys know about this, there's a Phantasm Sphere. Uh, it's a collector's thing from the UK that you can take off, and it has the entire collection inside. So if you have a PAL DVD player, that's the set that I recommend getting. So without further ado, here is the interview that David Harley and I had with Angus Scrimm back in 2006.
2: We're here with Angus Scrimm. Angus, I know me and you talked a little bit earlier about what was going on with Phantasm 5 and how it's holed up and how they're trying to figure out how to make it and to get a budget and a script together. And and I just want to ask you, if you were to do this uh, tomorrow, where would you like to see the story go?
0: I have no idea where the story could go. In my mind, that's the problem. I think... The first four films are a terrific unit in themselves, and a quartet. So it's entirely up to the fertile imagination of Don Coscarelli as to where the next one goes. I just hope the Tall Man's still around.
2: No, 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 no. Would you be interested in maybe having a showdown on the Tall Man's home planet?
0: that is almost beyond the bounds of consideration I think the problem with doing another Phantasm is studios nowadays are interested in doing remakes only they, they would do a remake of Phantasm perhaps but when it comes to making a Phantasm 5 especially one involving the, the great expense of creating that red planet would deter them with the costs of uh, prints and advertising on top, I don't think it would ever get done. So I don't think you will ever see that movie.
2: Um, now I know you just finished uh, doing *I Sell the Dead*, and it's about to premiere in Toronto next week.
0: That's right. Uh, this coming weekend, it's going to premiere at, in in Toronto, and I'm, I'm told that Ron Perlman and Dominic Monaghan, Larry Fessenden, the director Glenn McQuaid, and I will all be there. It's. Uh, I've heard nothing but great advance word on that that movie. It's supposed to be hilarious as well as scary. And Pearlman and Monaghan and Fessenden are all at their best. So I can't wait to see that movie. I think it'll be a big hit in 2009. I Sell the Dead.
2: Now, uh, the story centers around grave robbing in Ireland. Um, are, you, are you doing any uh, back to your old grave robbing ways? <laughs>
0: Isn't that amazing? There are so few grave robbing films. It was The Body Snatchers back around 1943. And, of course, as you pointed out, The Tall Man's a grave robber. No, I'm... uh, Larry Fessenden and Daniel Manchie and uh, Dominic Monaghan play the grave robbers, and I play Dr. Vernon Quint, who buys the corpses and doesn't care where they come from.
2: Um, what was it like working with uh, Larry Fessenden? I know he's done a lot of uh, high, higher-profile indie flicks, like The Last Summer and Wendigo.
0: Right. Well, Larry is uh, a man of all seasons. He he uh, he writes, he directs, he acts. And uh, we did the off-season together. I had some scenes with Larry in that. He was also in Automatons, uh, Jim McKinney's film about uh, a robot war which has received rave reviews. He, uh, he's a joy to work with. He, 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 uh, he's just so brilliant and so uh, comprehensive in his abilities and his thoughts. He, um, he's also very heavily into uh, uh, fighting global warming and has a wonderful website devoted to all the latest news on, on the ecological uh, situation. So, Fessenden is a young man I admire enormously.
2: Now, when you were uh, having your talk over in the other convention hall, I saw the trailer for uh, Automatons, and I thought it looked great, and it looks almost like a David Lynch remake of Metropolis in some ways, and it has the same sort of style as maybe Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, what? Could you describe your character a little bit to us?
0: Yes, well, uh, Automatons was done by Jim McKinney, who, who at the age of seven saw a robot movie, and spent the rest of his life uh, as, as a child looking for another one. He, he loved it so, never found one. So now that he's in his, his 20s he, he and is making movies, he decided to make his own robot movie like an old scratchy black-and-white movie that might have been made in the early talkie era of the 30s. And it's a robot war movie, an anti-movie. I play the long-dead scientist who has left a recorded video diary of the progress of this long war for his protege, a girl who was almost the sole surviving member of her race, who still keeps repatching her old robots to go out and fight the enemy. And uh, he's actually the munitions designer for their, their world who gradually becomes very disenchanted with the people at the top who keep lying about the progress of the war and
1: uh,
2: until
0: eventually he's killed off, I think.
2: I know um, around Christmas you're going to be doing a, a play, I believe, a, sort of a Ray Bradbury Christmas story. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
0: I've worked for the Ray Bradbury Theatre on a couple of occasions, and... Uh, Ray's always a joy. He always comes to at least a couple of rehearsals a week and is often there on Friday night to greet the audience and introduce the plays. He's uh, He takes a uh, hands-on interest. Alan Hubs, who directs for him, has suggested that I do a Christmas play Ray has written, which they're hoping to stage at a theater in Pasadena uh, this Christmas, and I haven't seen the script yet, but I may well do that. It's irresistible.
2: Now, one final question. Out of all the spheres in the phantasm movies, which one was your favorite?
0: Which sphere?
2: So did she
3: even see the The first uh, spheres Oh
0: my god. Oh, my I've forgotten the name of the wonderful man who designed that first sphere and then died before he ever had a chance to see the film. Then uh, Eventually, Cary Pryor took over the designs and made all kinds of sophisticated spheres that you've seen. I I will... The the memorable scene always is that first scene where the the sphere goes into the head of the caretaker at the the mausoleum and pumps his blood out all over the floor. So I I guess the
3: old original would be my favorite.
0: All right, thanks a lot, I guess. Thank you so much. Thank
3: you. I appreciate it. So wherever you're at, Just remember to stop and smell the ice cream. Rest in peace, Angus. Let's jump into some news, shall we? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan will be directing the new Tales from the Crypt remake. Uh, At least the first episode, anyway. He's going to be the showrunner of this new series on TNT. That's right. Not AMC. Not even HBO. Or Netflix. TNT. So now, what does this mean? We're going to get a new Tales from the Crypt series. um, That's going to have... No real gore, uh, no nudity, and they have to watch their language. Now, some MPA breakthroughs have happened with shows like The Walking Dead, where we get some really cool kills and murders. But to make Tales from the Crypt on TNT, I think, is a little asinine. Um, I mean, this is a straight-out buyout. Now, what this also means is because they just bought out the... The um, the comic book rights, we're not going to get the Crypt Keeper himself being on the Tales from the Crypt series. Now, I know a lot of you are really pissed about this, but HBO owns the rights to the Crypt Keeper and John Kasher's voice. So they're going to have to look more into doing their own thing. Now, this isn't a horrible thing because um, the EC Comics that came out prior to the HBO series uh, had three hosts. And they were like, the the circles on the side of the comics, you know, and they were the witch, the crypt keeper, you know, they they told, uh, you know, Uncle Creepy, they told stories. And they all did it near a fireplace, uh, or in a morgue. So what I think they're going to do is they're going to go more the route of the comic book series of Tales from the Crypt rather than the HBO series. Now that's fine. If they try to differentiate themselves from the HBO series, I'll like it a little bit more. I'm just really worried about the ratings that are going to happen. On top of just having M. Night Shyamalan's name on this, I mean, The Visit came out recently and it was kind of, you know, it was alright, but it wasn't anything to, you know, get up in arms and be really stoked about. Um, so, I'm a little wary about this new Tales from the Crypt. I'll keep letting you guys know more whenever I find out, but apparently it's supposed to be out this October uh, on TNT, so look, to, look forward to that, maybe. Scream Factory is at it again with their new catalogs of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is probably one of the best, most awkward remakes around, uh, and Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh, Both are coming very soon and got really cool uh, Scream Factory covers and flip covers uh, for these releases, including being restored. And looking just beautiful. Uh, Serpent in the Rainbow will be out February 23rd. No release date yet on Texas Chainsaw 2. Uh, You can look for uh, original, new behind-the-scenes features on those. And uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for those beautiful, beautiful Blu-rays. Fear the Walking Dead will return April 10th at 9 p.m. For those who still are watching or care about Fear the Walking Dead. uh, And also, I think they're going to add that one character from the airplane skits in between for The Walking Dead into the series this season. Um, Still looking forward to the new season of the original Walking Dead, who will start Negan. Uh, Right now, they're looking at working with the MPAA and his kind of very uh, broad language. Uh, You can't really write Negan without using the word fuck, shit, cunt, bitch, ass, tits, and all that fun stuff. Uh, So, you know, they're trying to work with them, and maybe AMC can possibly, you know, since the show's on pretty late and it's, pr- and it has warnings, you know, be able to maybe throw a fucker or a shit in there, uh, every now and then. You know, it's a really cool time to, I mean, I know it's kind of like vulgar to think about this, but it's a really cool time that, you know, series are ro- like working with the MPAA and kind of like bending and breaking the rules because the MPA has always been just such a fucking asshole about just everything. And I mean, God, since the nineties, I haven't seen them lighten up this much Ever. So it's just really cool to see that happen. Sad news on the Guillermo del Toro Pacific Rim 2 front. It looks like uh, Pacific Rim 2 is pretty much delayed indefinitely over at Legendary Pictures. Uh, the film was pretty much given its treatment and budget brought in. And they kind of just sat it aside and kicked it off to nothingness. Seeing as how China was the, really the only place to really bring in numbers for per, the first Pacific Rim film. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has already looked at remaking the 1966 sci-fi adventure film fantastic voyage uh seeing as the guy does not stop doing anything ever so will we see a 2 it's not out of the question a hundred percent but for right now it looks like it's not coming out at all uh but everything's made you know uh apparently all the art is ready to go budget's in there if the movie wants to be made sometime in the future it'll happen but right now nothing and last but not least, Krampus will be hit Blu-ray and DVD as well as digital on demand on February 23rd. Mike Daughtery has stated that Trick or Treat 2 is a go with Legendary. Thank God, since it seems like they're canceling everything. Um, and he's out of excuses because uh, he said he had to wait till Krampus was done being made. So he's done with Krampus. The Blu-ray DVD will be out, um, and then it'll be time to go back to Halloween Town. So look forward to that very soon. And that's all your news for this month. Um, let's move right into, uh, a little ad from The Conjuring.
4: Do you know when the voice is gonna speak? Sometimes.
1: Does it ever say things just to you? That you can only hear?
4: Yes. Yes.
1: Does it feel like it's coming from inside of you?
4: More like it's coming
1: from behind me. Like I'm being used.
4: What does it say? It said it wants to hurt you. When did it say that? Right now.
3: Son of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God bless you James Wan and your actual scary horror films. Alright, let's take a break uh, with a little bit of the murder dolls. This is Dead in Hollywood. If you guys listen to last month's Krampus edition of the Everyday Italian podcast, you know we ran a contest uh from Universal Home Entertainment to give away a copy of The Green Inferno, The Visit in Sinister Two. Uh, and I'm happy to announce the winners for that contest. They are Brandon Medley, who got a manicure grooming kit for Christmas one year. That's awful. He'll be taking home a Blu-ray. Uh Cody McFar. You'll be taking home uh, a Blu-ray as well. Uh, he got Batman footie pajamas at the age of 24. That's pretty scary. And last but not least, Mark Polesel, uh, He got erotic dice from his mom. So that's that's probably the worst of the three, I'd have to say. Uh, but thank you guys for, for writing in uh, and listening. You guys will take home a Blu-ray copy of one of those films. Uh, thank you very much to Universal Home Entertainment for supplying those. It is now time to release my top 10 horror films of 2015. I know there's not really been a clamoring for the 2015 horror movies to be brought back up seeing as how a lot of them weren't that great. It was kind of a sad year for 2015 horror films. Um, But there are some rare gems in there and I'm happy to go down them with you all right now. At number 10 we have Deathgasm. This was a film about um, metal and horror. Just slamming together. Now we've had movies like The Gate and How or Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, uh, that have kind of fused that metal horror love together. But this movie is very metal, and it was nice to see my uh, my high school band Trivium uh, featured in this Australian horror film, which is just very weird and kind of full circle for me. Uh, it's very crude. If you're just looking to do just a normal, uh, you know, if you're more of a spooky horror film kind of person. Uh, there's a part where they break out just giant dildos and whack some demons in the faces with them. Uh, but I thought the film was very, uh, just a lot of fun. It's very metal, and uh, if you're a metalhead and you like horror, man, this is the movie for you. So definitely check out Jit Deathgasm, which is out on Blu-ray and DVD now. Number 9 is going to go to Tales of Halloween, Axel Carolyn's project, with like a thousand other friends that worked on that film. Very happy to see Tales of Halloween out there, doing well uh, for epic pictures. Great film, so much fun. I hope we get out Tales from Halloween too. Definitely check that one out. Um, you know, there's a, hit, a lot of misses uh, in some of the stories, but there's enough hits in that, those stories to make it definitely watchable. So check out Tales of Halloween. Number eight going to go to Eli Roth's Knock Knock, starring his girlfriend, another blonde chick, and uh, Keanu Reeves. Now, I wasn't really too fond of this film in the beginning. I didn't really care for the premise uh, when I saw the trailers for it. But it's a slow build. It actually gets really unnerving. And if you actually think about like what would happen in myself in this situation, it does get very scary. It's more of a horror fan for guys than it is for girls. Um, but, you know, Keanu Reeves has a great monologue at the end of this movie. You feel for him. Uh, and I was really happy to see uh, Eli Roth kind of change things up and do something different. So, uh, yeah. Knock, knock. Number eight. Number seven is the western cannibalistic film bone tomahawk starring kurt russell and a bunch of other fucking actors that you probably know uh including uh, matt fox from lost and the dude from the conjuring which we just heard of um this one's a lot of fun this one came out on a left field for me i didn't even really see it's coming i actually watched it uh with some co-workers of mine uh and it, it was a lot of fun it, you know it was probably almost up there with uh the hateful eight in uh you know in gore factor i guess you could say um but yeah, you know, there's a lot of things I didn't see coming in this movie, Its the acting was really solid, so definitely check out, um, Bone Tomahawk, which is out now. Number six is going to be probably one of the funniest comedies I've seen in a long time, uh, which is also kind of a horror film, that's why it's in this category, and that is What We Do in the Shadows from the Flight of the Concords crew, uh, I cannot say enough good things about this movie. You know, I'm a swear werewolf myself, so it kind of fits in well. If you miss this film, definitely check it out. I feel like not enough people went and saw What We Do in the Shadows. Um, So, you know, whenever the sequel comes out, which is going to be about the werewolves and not so much the vampires, you can be in on on the joke if you see this movie. Check it out now. Hilarious. Now to the top five. Number five is a film that Quentin Tarantino talked a lot of shit about, and that is It Follows. Uh, A lot of people didn't like this movie, but I thought the cinematography was excellent, and I thought it was a great original idea. Um, And I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to It Follows if it ever came out. Um, You know, it looked beautiful, it was a lot of fun, and you know what, didn't fall asleep through it. So I'm going to give this one the top five, uh, number five pick for sure. Number four on my list goes to uh, Adam Brooks and Matthew Kennedy's new film, The Editor. Uh, The Editor was a Giallo throwback. Uh, to some of the best Italian horror films out there. And I thought the uh, quality in this film was just done so well, and I had so much fun watching this movie, and it definitely does not get enough praise. A 6.2 on IMDb is bullshit. This movie should be at least at an 8 or a 9. So don't let the reviews deter you. Definitely check out the editor. Probably one of the just visceral horror films that I have seen and paid beautiful homage to the Giallo genre. So definitely check that one out. Eli Roth has been gone for such a long time, and then boom, he comes back with two two films that I put on my top list uh, for this year. Eli Roth gaining my number three spot in the top three horror films of 2015 with *The Green Inferno*. Uh, had a lot of fun at the theaters watching this one. Listen to people squirm and cringe during that you know that scene uh, where our uh, lovable character gets just torn apart. Uh, I love the munchy scene. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys who haven't seen it, but it is a lot of fun, and it was cool to see Eli Roth kind of get uh, a little bit more, I guess, not more of a budget, because the awesome movies had a pretty big budget. But, you know, at least, you know, we got to see him go in a different location, and, you know, also a really big throwback to films like Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox. So, uh, definitely, definitely check that one out. Number two on my list goes to the Universal Legendary Pictures film, The Crimson Peak. Uh, I loved Crimson Peak, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro does no wrong with his set pieces and storytelling, and it was a beautiful story. Uh, you know, and a lot of people are saying it's not horror, but honestly, I mean, a lot of the the additions of this film is, are very terrifying and creepy, so I would definitely add this into a, as a horror film. It's just a beautifully well-crafted horror film that, you know, a lot of people aren't really used to. Um, you know, the actors and actresses, Uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, uh, even we got Jim Beaver from uh, Supernatural, Bobby Singer is in the movie. So it was really cool to see a lot of these actors working together. As always, we get Doug Jones back to play some of the creepy, more uh, slimmed down, uh, horrific characters and you know, it's just, it's a beautiful film. If you got out to Halloween Horror Nights in uh, Hollywood, they had a beautiful house that, you know, added a very visceral look to the film, Uh, you know, so you get to actually step inside and that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so definitely check out Crimson Peak. I loved it a lot. Um, but one film beat it out, beat it out terribly. And that is Krampus. I got to give it to Mike Doddery for capturing my heart and soul for, you know, for, for Christmas and horror. And it never happens, you know, right after October it just dips down and they got nothing else the rest of the year. So I was pretty much counting out 2015. Uh, but Krampus came in and saved the day you know, a lot of fun. It reminded me of Gremlins, you know, with the, the you know, just the, the CG characters on top of all the, the practical uh, characters as well. And just that final scene of seeing the ground open up and Krampus standing over him. Wasn't Krampus terrifying to look at? Just a very dead face Santa Claus. Is it like you know Santa Claus is dead inside and he's wearing the skin of old Saint Nick that's sagging down after a while? I just thought it was really cool. Just very creepy, ominous. If you have a chance, definitely check out The Art of Krampus, which is out over at Amazon.com. You know, beautiful drafts of the, of the, the whole story, what they wanted to do, things that didn't make it in the film. Uh, you know, this would be a great Blu-ray that I brought up earlier. So if you check that out, they'll have a lot of really cool extras on that. Um, you know, Mike Dottery—he's the guy to look out for in the next couple of years. You know, he's—he's he's got an eye for uh, detail. Um, so I was very happy to add that as my number one pick of 2015. Let's hope 2016 blows it out of the park, and this year gets way more terrifying.
4: Facing the harsh truths of this world isn't for the weak, but it's time you finally know who you are. True circumstances of your birth. There are many complex forces at play. You'll have all the answers in time. Some want you to fulfill your destiny. Once you accept who you are, things will be so much easier. The devil
0: has many, many. Identified by his number six six six. Does that mean anything to you?
1: The beast. she's coming.
3: That's right. Everyone's favorite demon child is coming to A and E with Damien. Series premieres March seventh at ten o'clock on A and E. And we'll be right back with reviews, but for right now, here is K Star. This is The House Is Haunted. The house
4: is haunted by the echo of memories that refuse to die I can't get away from the vision that brings intimate glimpses of intimate things a voice in my heart like a torch singer sings I wonder who's kissing him now the house is haunted by the echo of your favorite song The place is cluttered up with roses that have lived too long much too long The ceiling is white but the shadows are black The ghost in my heart said you will never come back The house is haunted by the echo of your last Goodbye, 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 goodbye. of your last
1: Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.
3: Goodbye. What show had the balls to do horror through Christmas? Well, that would be uh, Ashley Williams with the Ash in the Evil Dead series uh, that S.T.A.R.S. premiered this October. And let me tell you, it was a blast. Uh, Season 1 just ended and I can't say enough good things about it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, It really brought back the feeling of the original Evil Dead films. Now, if you know that this series can only use stuff from the original Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, whereas another company owns Army of Darkness, so we can't really talk about those things and going, you know, back in time. I mean, time travel is kind of a thing that they're kind of working on in the series, but uh, and bring up anything from Army of Darkness is a no-no. Uh, but that's fine, because we want to really focus on Evil Dead, and Sam Raimi, Ted, and the crew, they really focus on uh, a lot of the sound effects and lighting and the way that the Deadites look. It feels like you're watching the original Evil Dead, which is great. That's what we've wanted. And we get scenes where Ash, you know, talks about his new shop. It's not S-Mart, but it's something different, and it's along the same lines. And we, we go back to the cabin, the original cabin, and we have great characters, like Lucy Lawless's character, adding uh, so much... Dynamics to the series. And, um, you know, this is a great, great uh, thing for collectors if you want to really, if the Blu ray releases or DVD, get that and add it to your uh, your Ashley Williams collection. Uh, I can't say enough good things. Uh, season 2 has been greenlit, and I can't wait to keep watching that. So get stars, watch that. Now for M. Light Shyamalan's The Visit. Um, you know, this looked a little corny. Uh, you know, I, the only thing I really liked of his recently was Devil, um, which he kind of like semi worked on but didn't really direct. Uh and it was actually good. So it's good to have him sit sitting in the back, I guess, and, <laughs> and giving his input rather than taking control. Um, you know, and you know Wayward Pines was alright. It wasn't anything super great, but it was something different. Uh I still think the strain beats it out of the park. But um, you know, it was it was a it was a nice like look back to M Knight's some of his good stuff. I wouldn't say it's it's uh, as done, well done, uh, uh, unbreakable, sixth sense, um, signs I even really enjoyed. It wasn't until, like, in the water that they started tanking. Uh, you know, he took a safe route by doing the uh, documentary camera, hidden camera kind of, bla- or um, not Blair Witch, but uh, paranormal activity look. And, you know, I feel like you, you kind of knock, knock a peg down when you try and use that trope. It's overused, people are kind of tired of that now. Um, but it does have a little bit of, uh, just it kind of has an unsettling feel when you watch this movie. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but the outcomes were kind of a little, uh, lackluster, I'd say. Um, uh, and the rapping kid was just plain annoying. So, uh, I'd give the, the visit probably five out of ten. Um, this, uh, Sinister Two, just watched that recently. Sinister Two, uh, you know, coming right off the heels of sinister which was a great film i really loved it enjoyed the acting i thought it was a cool uh new concept so i was happy to see where they would go with sinister 2 uh they take the deputy from the first film and kind of follow his story and uh you know acting's not horrible but the the film itself is just kind of rehashing what was told from the first film um there's some cool ideas but honestly if you've been told in a graphic novel we didn't need another film in the series uh, so I'd also I'd probably give this movie 6 out of 10 not not a really good one to go see with the, the girlfriend. Um, Green Inferno as you saw, I saw it was on my top 10 love this movie to death uh, beautiful visuals a lot of fun storytelling uh, and just keeps you on pins and needles the whole movie definitely give that one 8 out of 10 looks beautiful on blu-ray by the way if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse um, a little juvenile at times. I think I would have really enjoyed this movie if I was 13 to 16. Um, but it's still a lot of fun. Something different. You see these, uh, kids that are sticking with being, uh, you know, uh, a scout. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, lame for the other friends to do it. But in the end, you know, their skills get them through the story. Uh, but the zombies themselves are kind of retarded in this movie. Um, and, eh, I-, I would definitely give this another uh, 6 out of 10. Um... Deathgasm, fantastic on Blu-ray, some great uh, special features in that, definitely check that out, I talked a little bit about that earlier in the show, Um, you know, I'd give that one probably 7 out of 10, and uh, I checked out Garbage Pail Kids, the movie from Scream Factory, I had not seen this movie since I was 5 or 6, and it wasn't really geared towards uh, kids, but it wasn't really geared towards adults either. Uh, it kind of had like that Monster Squad thing where they didn't really know what they were doing with it, but Monster Squad makes it makes this movie look like poo-poo because Monster Squad's a great film. Um, Garbage Pail Kids just doesn't know what it wants. The, the costumes on these Garbage Pail Kids looks terrifying. You can't take them seriously. They hang out with a crocodile that has a wig on. It's just... It's, it's so fucking confusing, the movie itself, and I, could, I don't know how it even got greenlit. Um, so Garbage pill Kids, stay cards don't don't watch this movie it's, it's really bad uh, I'm going to give this movie 2 out of 10 so those are my reviews for this month uh, like I said, definitely check out Ash vs. Evil Dead, Green Inferno if you get around to it, I think you guys will love that and of always, uh, Deathgasm super fucking metal, check that one out
1: You know, I trust that fucker Charlie about as much as I trust you. Where the hell do you get off talking shit about Charlie? Hey, I know what I know, and I know I don't like that nut sack. Well, unless you got a better suggestion I suggest, you keep your fucking pie holes shut. That is the only remotely safe place I know about.
4: Uh, hey man, if anyone's interested, I think I'm gonna be wanting some ice cream in about 10 miles. Hey
1: man, I think I'm gonna be wanting some ice cream in about 10 miles. Don't you fucking imitate me, it's fucking rude! I know what I know, and I know I don't like that. Fuck you. Fuck you. Two fucking seconds for the kid, is that gonna kill you? Yes, it is gonna kill me. I have calculated the time, and two seconds is the exact amount of time that's a hazard to my fucking health. Come on, don't be such a fucking drag, I'm starving. Hey, eat this. What is your fucking problem? I'm in and out in two seconds. You know, I think I'm gonna get me some tootie-fucking-fruity. Tootie-fucking-fruity, that sounds good. To fucking fruity! Shut up! Tootie, Dootie, fucking fruity! fruity. <laughs> Tootie, fruity. Mom, shut up. Tootie, Dootie, fucking fruity. Fruity. Listen, <laughs> there is no fucking ice cream in your fucking future! don't think right. You don't Mmm. Delicious. such a grouch. This is really good. Here, have some. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 D <2D> fucking fruity
3: <laughs> So here are my D fucking fruity picks of 2016. Yeah, I haven't seen these movies yet, but at least original horror films that we can kind of look forward to. Um, on January 22nd, we have The Boy, starring The Walking Dead's Lauren Cohen. Uh, this is basically, uh, a lady who's a nanny for hire, gets hired to look after the boy, but the boy isn't a boy, it's a doll, and horror ensues. So check that one out soon. Uh, my top pick of 2016, which I'm looking forward to the most, is Rob Zombie's 31, which was crowdfunded. Uh, got placed at NC-17 rating. Um, and then quickly put under the R rating from the MPAA to get released. Now, Rob Zombie has said that the film will be released at an unrated cut and get that NC-17 rating that we've all wanted. For those of you who don't know, uh, Rob Zombie's 31 takes place on, you guessed it, Halloween night, where a bunch of sadistic clowns are basically going against people and kidnapping, and that's why a lot of people get kidnapped on October. is probably because of crazy sadistic clowns. And of course, it's a period piece. It takes place probably in the seventies to late eighties. I think it's nineteen seventy five. gonna go with that. Uh, next, we have The Witch on February nineteenth. Uh, looks very, very creepy, very ominous. Um, it's uh, Robert Eggers' uh, directed piece. It's already got a few awards. Um, it's a nineteenth century New England film, uh, and it just it just looks really, really creepy. And from people that I've talked to that have seen it said it scared the bejesus out of them and it has a very odd just ominous feeling to it so look forward to that one on march 11th we have the other side of the door uh which stars you guessed it the walking dead's sarah wayne Callis. uh she'll be in that movie and this movie looks uh it looks a little a little creepy so we'll see what happens with that one so we'll look at that one the other side of the door uh on august 26th we have a man in the dark which is from the director of the Evil Dead remake um, And, you know, a lot of people didn't think that that was up to par But, you know, it actually, if you had to take out the Evil Dead out of the Evil Dead remake It's actually not that bad of a film It's just a lot of comparison So I'm really excited to see that what this guy has in store for horror uh, of his own After that, we have The Devil's Candy Which is really cool uh, It's from the director of The Loved Ones Um, and I really love The Loved Ones, so I'm happy to see this Australian director do something new, uh, which looks really cool, so check out The Devil's Candy, that one does not have a date, nor does Death House, which sounds like a lot of fun because it's basically getting a lot of, um, actors together and like horror actors and they escape they're all murderers who escape from a government facility and we're talking like robert england kane hodder doug bradley bill mosley d wallace michael Berryman, barbara crampton ken Forey. The list goes on and on of all these people that are going to be breaking out of this uh insane asylum uh penitentiary uh so look forward to that one and last but not least i have holidays which is kind of piggybacking off of mike Doddery's success Um, we know Kevin Smith is apparently doing one of the holidays and it's kind of like, uh, Masters of Horror where they give a director, uh, a holiday to, to kind of, you know, wing after, but add like a horror element to each holiday. So that will be pretty cool to see that, um, come together. That one also does not have a date. So there's some really, uh, new horror films coming out in 2016. I'm looking forward to when I get the updates on new ones, I'll be sure to let you all know as well.
4: There's nothing like it in the world! May I have the salt?
1: What do we say? Now. What is this? Mama's
4: speciality de la maison.
1: Oh, dish.
4: Start with the eyes. Did you sleep well?
1: Like the dead. Really? Who would have thought the Bermuda Triangle could change a man so much? You used to toss and turn all night. We had to chain you to the bedpost.
4: Doesn't make sense.
1: The Bermuda Triangle is a very strange and mysterious place. You'd be surprised at all the things you don't know.
0: She certainly would. Wednesday adores the Bermuda Triangle. She studies it. Death at sea. She's hooked.
4: Ask me anything.
1: Being in my old room sure brings back memories. Remember Camp Custer? For preteen offenders. is precious. Today I like to wander through the house, remembering. No, no, sorry old man,
0: no wandering today. Today we're going straight to the vault.
3: that's all the horror i have for you guys this month i want to thank wizard world and con radio for always supporting the show as well as universal home entertainment uh scream factory and all the great people that supply me things to watch and review and talk about on the show uh until then stay scary and here's kip tyler with she's my witch stay scary
1: I'm telling you i got a wish. She's my wish Love of though she's good and bad Mess around and you've been had Got a key and a nap. My witch likes to rock to a crazy song every night she's a winning on she's a chick with a wicked twitch she is my witch Chicken just for the thrill, until you wind up uh, in a ditch. <clears throat> she is my wish.